and welcome back to the Fantasy Footy Brains podcast. It's our second week back for the season. Uh, and just some breaking news, I guess, for this podcast. Um, we talked about the winger fullbacks last week, but we've had a bit of an update on Lockie Miller, who has signed for the Knights just yesterday. It happened. Uh, Josh, I want get to your, get your thoughts on Lockie Miller, actually, because he's a decent value option to start in the winger fullbacks. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, coming in at 426K, his break-even's around 29. Does he look like a decent value buy for you? Yeah, he's going to be one that I think it kind of depends on how many cheapies we get in the in the winger fullback come round one. Uh, you know, I think he's not as big as a, of a priority, for example, over like a, a Hayes Perham or if uh, Tommy Talau gets named. I'm probably more inclined to go go cheaper if I can there or, uh, you know, guys like Tyrell Sloan, who we talked about last week. But he's definitely got some value in him, uh, Lockie Miller. He had few really good games at the Sharks last year. My reservations uh, is that he's not playing for the Sharks this year. He's playing <laughs> for the Newcastle Knights. Um, so what's, you know, what's going to be his, uh, you know, average output each week? That's kind of my concern with a nice team, which I think me personally, I expect to be a bit better. But, uh, yeah, it's still, you know, first season kind of coming in for Lockie Miller. How is it going to go? It's like all of the a bit unknown for me. Yeah, I mean, he's he's like you said, he's moving to the Knights, so it's not exactly a step up um, in terms of quality. Um, and they've lost a few middles as well. The Knights, well, the main middle in Clemmer, so it's not going to be the the best forward pack this season. And I mean, he averaged forty four. Do I think he's going to average that at the Knights? No, but I still think there is a bit of value considering he's priced in at around the break even of twenty nine thirty mark. So. He's yeah, like you said, he's okay. He's an okay buy, but I I mean, there's plenty of value there in the wing of fullbacks. And come round one, when the team lists are announced, I'm sure there'll be other players there and thereabouts to buy as well. So um, could be a breakout star. You never know, but um, yeah, proceed with caution. I think for sure. And actually, and, the other and just one. For the, yep. Well, I was going to say, just for those who aren't as familiar with Lockie Miller, what he's like an ex sevens player, so he has got some decent attacking stats and things like that in him. Um, so he'd be fun to watch, definitely, um, and to chuck in there. But, yeah. Yeah, I think stats-wise, um, from his games at fullback last year at the Sharks, he had he averaged about 200 run metres a game and around nine tackle busts a game. So, I mean, if he can keep up those stats, that's excellent. He's for sure probably one of the best winger fullbacks to buy. But, yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see what happens come round one. And yeah, what I was about to say was uh, Tommy Turbo looks on track. I saw some news yesterday that he's on track to start round one. If he does start round one, would you be would you be buying him? Definitely be looking into him. Um, I think from memory, he's got to buy round two, um, which kind of makes him a little bit awkward. Yep. Um, but yeah, Tommy Turbo, he's a star. If he doesn't, you know, set the world on fire round one or round two, I think he's somebody that you've got to have. He's probably someone you're going to have at some point throughout the season. He's, uh, you know, a bit cheaper than some of the other guns. They give him a bit of a discount. Um, and, yeah, he's on his day, probably or arguably the best fantasy player out there. So, um, yeah, Tommy Turbo is one I'll definitely be looking at if he's fit for round one. Yeah, just thinking about that buy in round two that Manly have, actually, you kind of, if you apply a bit of uh, game theory to fantasy, um, you could kind of see him in for round one, not actually buy him in your squad and just see how he goes. 
and then come round three, if he has a huge round one, then I guess that's a good buy. And then, I mean, you burn a trade not having him from the start, but then again, you kind of mitigate that buy in round two. So it's kind of actually not too bad to see him in for the first round and see how he goes um, in that sense, I think. Yeah, I don't mind that as a as a gameplay as well. Um, he's got the Bulldogs the first round, so that's the only thing that kind of scares me. Maybe he comes out and just absolutely goes crazy against the Bulldogs, yeah. and then, yeah, you've lost 70 points from Tommy Turbo um, that you could have had. But, um, yeah, that's maybe a strategy. I'll, I'll take a look at him in the first round and, uh, and then see what happens. Yeah, definitely one to toss up. Anyway, let's move straight into the hookers for today. Um, talking about hookers and halves today. Uh, we'll start with your best value option at hooker, which I think I already know what you're going to say, but I'll let you go ahead and, <laughs> and take the reins. Yeah, my man, uh, Blake Braley. I had him as one of my, what was it, our bold predictions of the year. I had him as a top three, top three hooker. I really like him. Uh, he's... I think he's got the Michael Ennis factor. He's got another year in that system. They've got a, we have in a pretty similar, they'll have the same spine there at, at the Sharks. We expect him to be a, a pretty good team again. And I think he's going to pick up a few extra attacking stats this year. And then he's, it's hard with the hooker position these days. There's none of the, uh, there's not many of the kind of 80 minute hookers who make you yeah, 50 tackles each week like they used to be in the kind of Andrew yeah. McCulloch glory days, um, Cam Smith, people like that. So I think he's one of the premiums in the position just because he's out there for 80 minutes. Um, maybe he doesn't start on 100% 80 minutes, but he's. we saw it through last year that he's playing 80 minutes most weeks of the season. Not many of the around, and then, yeah, I expect a big uptip in those uh, – those attacking stats as well. So, yeah, I'm quite quite big on him this year. Yeah, I mean, he had that uh, that huge start to the season. I think he had like three sixties in a row or something like that in the first three rounds, and he was looking like one of the one of the best hookers in the game to start. Plus, he doesn't play Origin as well, so there's there's definitely value to having him from an overall point of view. He was just a bit, I guess, you come to the middle of the season, he was that hot and cold, right? Like he was getting, you know, a 50 every second week, but then in between it was kind of like a 30 or a 40. So not the best. But then again, having those 50s and 60s in your in your, in your your team was actually quite valuable. But um, yeah. what's he what's he priced at this year? What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Because he is quite high. I think he's, what, close to 700K or just yeah. under? 690K, so... He's a little bit discounted from guys such as Harry Grant. Um, and, yeah, he's kind of, yeah, a bit cheaper than guys also like Damian Cook. Um, so you get him at a little bit of a discount, but I think he's still going to have a pretty decent output. I would be considering uh, potentially having him on my bench and then rolling with another one of those premium hookers. I haven't 100% locked that in yet, but I guess that's a tricky part if you're going break Blake Rayley, usually sacrificing not going Harry Grant or not going in Damian Cook. So I guess that's where the risk comes in with him. Yeah. And there's, I guess there's another guy that is my value hooker in Brendan Smith that is a hundred K cheaper and does pose a bit of a, well, does present plenty of value really to start the season considering Connor Watson's um, gone until, well, I think early season, maybe around 10 or 11, maybe for, for Watson. He's, it's a pretty significant injury. Um, his patella, I think it was patella tendon injury during preseason. So Brendan Smith's also another guy there and thereabouts that I think 
he's, he's almost a must to have in most teams. You could slot him in at mids. You can have him at hooker. You know, that dual position value does present itself there with Brendan Smith. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's pretty close to a must-have. Um, he's 47.5% owned at this point. I imagine that could even jump higher by round one. Um, so I think it's a kind of case here of don't outthink the the pack. Go with uh, go with the rest of everyone. And as uh, as you said, he's got money to make. He's uh, he's pretty well priced at the moment and should make or should be scoring kind of at least you'd think in the mid forties, potentially even in the fifties. So he's going to be a pretty nice one to have on your on your team. Plus, you got the dual aspect of him as well, which could be, I think, this year more than any with the weekly buys, a really important factor to have someone like a Brandon Smith who can play on your interchange and you can slide him around depending on who's got the buy this week. Yeah, absolutely. I think Brandon Smith, he's going to tick over 50% ownership for sure come round yeah. one. Um, there's no reason. Like, you'll see the team list. There won't be a bench hooker or there might be a Drew Hutchinson or something there, but he's really there for, you know, 10, 15 minutes off the bench. Um, but Brendan Smith, if he gets 50, 60-plus minutes, um, he'll be averaging mid-40s to low-50s, I think, pretty comfortably as, as his base. And then, you know, with a try or two here and there or a line break there, um, yeah, he'll he'll be jumping up to 60 pretty comfortably, I think, most games. That's the hope. And, yeah, just... Also to go on that Connor Watson, uh, the Patella injury, I think that's going to rule Connor Watson out for at least two thirds of this this season. Like I think it's a pretty significant injury that um, NRL physio said, you know, it's arguably as bad as a as an ACL. A lot of people were saying like, oh, it's not an ACL. Like thank goodness, but I think this is going to still take him a decent time to recover from, and probably doesn't uh, put him in the team for most of the season. Yeah, he was tipped to come back this season at some point, but I think Roosters having the, the fact that they have Brendan Smith there, I feel like they can probably take the conservative approach with Watson and give him a bit more time to recover so that you don't need to rush him back into the squad. Although it'll depend on how well they go at the start of the season, right? If they drop a few games and a few e- and a few easy points kind of thing, they they might need him back sooner rather than later. But I mean, that's not going to be till at least, you know, like I said, round 10 or 11, if not later. So it's nothing to worry about for the first 10 rounds. Exactly, yeah. Anyway, moving on to your trap at hooker, who do you have? Yeah, so the trap I've got is Mitch Kenny. Uh, I think there's a couple of people who are, who are quite interested in him, thinking that, you know, obviously Appy's gone, he's going to get get an uptick, but I think he's going to be kind of nullified by Sonny Luke. Um, and while he might be making you a little bit of money, I think he's going to be kind of uh, like a plotter in your team and somebody you're not really going to want in your starting 17 each week. Um, I imagine he plays around the, you know, 50-ish, 50 to 60, like probably 60 max minutes. And then Sonny Luke spells him for 20-30. And I think with that, um, you know, breakdown of minutes, just don't think there's a lot of value in him. Even it, even though he's cheap, he might make you a little bit of money. I just don't think he's somebody who's that valuable in your team if he's going to be getting you 30s most week. Um, obviously, there's kind of like a caveat on this. If he's the the sole guy in the team and there's no bench hooker or utility on the on the bench and he's getting 80 minutes, then I'll definitely have a look at him. But I think he's kind of in this awkward situation with, with a timeshare and um, I don't see him as that much of a value. 
So yeah, that's my trap. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. He's gonna if if there's a bench utility in Sonny Luke or even like a Jamin Salmon or something like that, um, you've got to think that he's only getting around the fifty minute mark anyway. And in games where he only got around forty to fifty minutes last year, he only averaged in the mid thirties. So there's a little bit of value, but not enough to kind of be a must buy for Mitch Kenny. So I think he's one just to to wait and see what team lists kind of bring. Because if if there's anyone on the bench that can fill in at hooker, he's yeah very much diminished in value what are your thoughts similarly same team with sonny luke he obviously comes in pretty cheap at at 250k and he's gonna make you some money um but i kind of see him similar in that he might be kind of scoring around that 15 points a week is that something that you really want to kind of have in your team to start off um what do you think there's maybe someone around that similar price cheapy wise that could be better value yeah, not at all. I, I don't think I'm going to go anywhere near Sonny Luke. He's attractive because he's, you know, 250K. So people are buying him and chucking him on the bench and thinking, oh, you know, he'll make a bit of cash. But I think you've, you've got better options out there at 250K, not at the hooker position, but I think there's value elsewhere in like guys like Brendan Smith and um, Tanner Boyd, who we'll talk about as well um, later. But yeah, I, I just think that he just, he's not going to get enough minutes. And unless Mitch Kenny goes down injured and he gets the starting spot, I just don't think he's worth kind of carrying. Because Kenny played pretty much all season last year and he didn't, you know, look like he was going to get injured at all. So um, you've kind of got to hope, really, which is a bad thing to say. You've got to, you've got to hope that he gets injured. So um, I'd be steering <laughs> clear of uh, Sonny Luke um, for at least yeah. the start of the season. Anyway, even if he is named on the bench, he's not going to get enough minutes. Yeah, we heard it here first. Footy Brains Pod wants to wish injuries on all players. <laughs> so they're better for fantasy stats for us. Um, oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> Love that. Actually, moving on to my trap, uh, a, a guy that's in actually quite a lot of teams that I don't understand why, because there's been a few changes at the Bulldogs, uh, Reed Marnie. So he obviously has come from Parramatta to the Dogs, but at Parramatta, he was getting pretty much, you know, 80 minutes, 70 to 80 minutes a game. Um, at the Dogs, there was another buy that they had in the offseason that's kind of got onto the radar and no one's really thought about um, is Farmanu Brown. So he's moved across from the Tigers to the Dogs and he's looking like he's going to take that 14 spot. And I just, I don't see how Reed Marnie gets even close to his scores in his past. Like not even last season, you know, he averaged around the, the 46 mark, I think it was. The season before, he was in the mid-50s where he actually had really good value. I don't see how he's going to go back to being, you know, a mid-50s scorer, even hitting the 50 mark with a bench utility in Farmanu Brown. So I think Reed Marnie at 10% owned looks like he's going to play reduced minutes. I just don't think there's any value there in bringing him in. And he's honestly going to lose you cash from the start of the season. And then you're going to have to trade him out. So, yeah, I'd, I'd steer clear of Reed Marnie for the time being until it's confirmed that there's no bench utility similar story with mitch kenny pretty much yeah i agree with that definitely mate um there's a bit of appeal he's changing teams um he's obviously been a, a gun in the past but yeah i'll be waiting until i see 80 minutes from him with how the team's structured there at the bulldogs yeah exactly i mean and he's moving to the bulldogs he's not at Paramount yeah. <laughs> anymore so he's not exactly going to get you know a bunch of attacking stats i have to see what the season holds for the dogs actually because they've actually they've got a decent squad but yeah, they'll have to gel a bit um, this season, so. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe, like, first week he just pops, you know, two or three short balls and really kicks 
crashes over the line. He's, you know, <laughs> getting heaps of points. But uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be waiting to see how this how this team looks. But I'm excited for him. To be fair, I think they're going to be probably in the eight this year. Yeah, plenty of expectation there for sure. Uh, moving on to a bit of draft talk now. So, what are your what are your kind of top five draft picks at the hooker position? Um, so for the hooker position, I think an obvious number one is Harry Grant. He's yeah, shown it. He's in an unreal team of the storm. He's got a great role. Now he doesn't have Brandon Smith as well, kind of um he was always kind of there and you know, I think taking time off him, I think he'll be pretty close to an eighty minute hooker most weeks. And yeah, he's just so crafty. He's got so many attacking stats in him and uh pretty consistent as well. So I think uh, the only thing that worries me about Harry Grant, which isn't really an issue for the start of the season, but those weeks over the origin, he usually has a bit of a dip. Um, and, you know, he's got the got the chance of being rested and things like that. But I think overall, come season end, he'll be the top averaging hooker. Then uh, second, I've kept Damian Cook. I think he had an unreal season last year. I don't expect too much of a drop from him. Everyone's kind of waiting for him to to drop, but he just keeps on, keeps on going on. So um, until I see otherwise, I'm continuing to rate Damien Cook pretty highly for a classic uh, team. He's kind of hard because he did have such a good season last year. I don't expect him to replicate how good he was last year, um, but I still imagine he'll be, yeah, there and thereabouts. Number three, I've got my boy, Blake Braley, who, um, yeah, I think he'll have a have an uptick in in attacking stats as I was as I was saying before, and uh, I think he cements himself in the top three this year um, in average and in total points. So I think he's pretty good value for a draft. And then coming in number four, I've got Reese Robson. Um, he was high up there as well last year. I expect him to to have a pretty similar you know output this season. He did have a lot of, you know, tries and attacking stats last year, but I don't think too many of them will drop. I think he was still, he's just, you know, that's something that's in his game. He's a good support runner. He likes those darts from dummy half close to the line. So I expect him to still have some solid attacking stats and and be in that conversation of the top five for the position. And then kind of rounding out the top five, I've got Jaden Braley who I also think will have a pretty big season. We saw last year when he came back, he was uh, incredible, honestly, coming back from that injury. And I think he'll, you know, he's got another preseason under his belt. He'll be able to kind of hit the ground running come the start of the season and uh, expect him to be, yeah, up there. Yeah, I do like that call, actually, Jaden Braley in your top five. Um, He, obviously, last season with the injury, he kind of came back in and was slow to start, but he'll be up there in terms of average amongst the hookers, I think probably the low fifties would be a good expectation for him. And if he gets anything higher than that, well, even better. I, I thought it was interesting though, that you started with the definite number one in Harry Grant with Damian Cook averaging, you know, in the sixties for the last five seasons in a row. Um, yeah. I still have Damian Cook as my number one. I don't, uh, I don't think he's going to get pipped by Harry Grant unless he has, you know, a pretty good, a pretty good season to be honest. Yeah. Maybe, uh, I just expect Harry Grant to continue going up uh, in value, and I expect Damien Cook to come down a little bit. Um, and yeah, Harry Grant to kind of pipe in like that. I guess maybe it's not an obvious number one, but uh, I think yeah, Harry Grant will overtake him this year. 
Yeah, that's fair enough. I guess Harry Grant's going to be kind of every season from in here on out, he's going to get better and better. Whereas Damien Cook's kind of already hit his peak in terms of how, you know, what his production's like. So, um, yeah, who knows? You, you never know what's going to happen in fantasy. Considering, actually, last year, Damien Cook, uh, what it was, I think it was like 66, his average. And the year before, it dropped to 57, which is his lowest average since he's become a starting hooker. But, um, yeah, I don't expect it to to drop much below, you know, the mid fifties for Damian Cook anytime soon. But yeah, I guess we'll we'll wait and see. Uh yeah. moving on to the halves now. Uh what's your what's your best value option in the halves? Yeah, halves is a little bit tricky of a of a position as far as like best values, I think. Uh there's a couple of people that, you know, I'm having a look at. I think more realistically with the halves, I'm looking for the the big dogs looking for Cleary and Hines um, and probably not going to go a cheaper option, um, me personally. But, you know, depending on team lists and how everything's looking. So, yeah, there's not that many great options, I think, in the in the halves as far as, like, genuine cheapies. There's Tamari Martin, who could potentially be playing fullback for the Warriors. He comes in at 313K. Um, but he's not someone that I'm really looking at. Uh, we saw last year, for those who brought brought him in, he's, he's not really got that base um, that most fullbacks have if he if he slots in there. So, you know, there's weeks he could put, could put up, you know, 12 points for you or something pretty, pretty average like that. So he's not someone I'm really looking into, even though he's appealing at 313K. Potentially, if they uh, have Nickel Clockstat at, fullback and he's in the halves maybe i'll have a bit more of a think about it maybe get some more you know try assists and things like that um but someone i'm actually kind of interested as well from the warriors who i think might get the the half spot is um luke metcalf who's kind of flown on the radar i think as far as fantasy options this year but i think he's one of the better more genuine cheap hooker options uh the problem is he's a bit of an unknown. He hasn't got a lot of sample size uh, to his name, but you know, I think a few of us who you know seen him in the NRL nines and a few other bits and pieces like that, he's someone exciting uh, and someone like at three nineteen k. It's not a massive risk um, and could really see the world light. So I guess that's a really long winded way of saying maybe Luke Metcalf is the best option as a genuine cheapie that um that i'm looking at yeah i I don't mind metcalf in the halves um actually like 319k is so cheap and he actually does have um good attacking stats uh from based on his like his form in the nines and from his games in the nrl where he has come off the bench i think tamari martin is an absolute no-go i don't understand how he's in so many teams um at the 19.66 like, yeah yeah like what what is the go there you've moved he's moved from the broncos where you know he was actually in a team that could produce some attacking stats and he got the ball quite often um he only averaged 21 in the whole season last year at fullback so i don't know how he goes from a good attacking team in the broncos to the Warriors who are tipped to be a bottom two side and he provides anything better than 20 points a game. Um, yeah, he's going to get you 30 here and there like he did for the Broncos, but I don't see how he can do that consistently um, for the Warriors. 
I can see how Metcalf might be able to because, you know, he'll be close to the line. He'll make some tackles, you know, get some more base stats. But Martin at the back, it'll be he's not as dynamic as Reese Walsh and he won't be involved in the play as much as Metcalf will. So, I yeah, I just don't see I don't see why he's so owned. I, I don't get it. Am I missing something? I don't think you are, mate. That was my kind of gut reaction when I saw it here as well. Um, I think another interesting one that's pretty high owned as well, Isaiah Katoa and Code Nikarima from the Dolphins are both pretty highly owned, both over 10%. From all I've heard, um, you know, kind of listening around, scrolling through news feeds and whatever, I don't think Isaiah Katoa is going to get that starting half spot. I think they're going to be pretty rock solid for at least the first, you know, 10 or so games of the season with, Milf and Sullivan there at the Dolphins in the halves. Yeah, absolutely. So um, he's probably one once, you know, team lists come out and stuff, he'll drop in ownership. But I don't think he's one stashing on your bench. I think it's it's almost too hard to stash people this year uh, with the buys and everything like that. I think you want to kind of have full playing squad going into round one so you can account for buys and injuries and things like that. And with Nicarima as well, I think he's going to have that bench utility role and kind of spelling Marshall King there in the hooker position. So I think he's hasn't really got a great role. He's going to be similar to kind of a Sonny Luke getting that 10 to 15 points that you don't really want on your team. Yeah. You want someone who's going to be, yeah, either get you a 30 or um, <laughs> if they're not giving you at least kind of 30 plus, I don't think they're really worth consideration. Yeah, I, I I agree with both of those. They're not they're not coming into the team. Well, Katoa, for for example, is not coming into the team anytime soon unless there's an injury or unless you know they're really the Dolphins are really out of form and Milford and Sullivan aren't clicking or whatever. But um, yeah, Nicarima is just going to be a bench utility. I don't see how he comes into the team. Um, yeah, at all he'll be that number fourteen for sure to start the season. And I I know what listeners are going to say. They're going to be like, oh, I just have these guys in my team as a placeholder till round one. You can't really do that because there's no one to replace them at 250k if they don't start. Like, what do you? Who do you replace Katoa with if if he doesn't start? You what? You might go up to a Metcalf. There's no other 250k player. That's still 60k more that you've got to somehow take from somewhere else in your team. So it's best to be fiddling around with your team now with players you know are going to start, so that when it does come to round one, you aren't surprised and can't fit players in that you really wanted to. So I definitely be looking at your team now if you have some of these guys that really aren't very valuable at all that, you know, are cheap but aren't playing. Like, even Tavare, it doesn't look like he's going to be playing either. Um, we talked about him last week. Um, it looks like it's probably going to be Aitken and Tessie New or something like that. Like, now that Tavare's been named in their trials trial team for this week as well, like, you've got to really fix your team up now so that, you know, there's no surprises come round one. Yeah, I agree with that. And, yeah, unfortunate about Tavare, he got named in the the trial team for the Dolphins, which is looks like essentially their second or third string team. So if he's in there, probably yeah. not going to get that round one squad unless he like really lights it up. But um, yeah, I agree with that, mate. Well said. Yeah, I, I know that um, my value option, which we haven't really touched on actually in the halves, is uh, Tanner Boyd. Um, he he looks like he's going to be named the halfbacks in the halfback spot at the Titans and. Like last year, he was he was scoring in the the mid forties, low fifties. Uh, once he was playing eighty minutes in in the halves, once Sexton was dropped. So I think Boyd, if he's named in the halves next to Kieran Foran, I'm pretty sure will be five eight. 
uh, he's probably one that you would want to have, especially at 479k. His break even's around the 33 mark. He'll be making you at least 10 points in value over the first, you know, five, 10 rounds. And then when you get to closer to origin, he might look like a bit of a trade option to pick up maybe a premium player there. Um, but that's, yeah, that's a that's a player that I'd definitely be trying to fit into your squad somewhere, especially because he's got that DPP value, the dual position player value uh, for hooker as well. So, yeah, I think he's a must-have. What are your thoughts on Boyd? Yeah, I, I don't mind that as a call. I don't think he's a must-have, but I think he's one that I'm definitely considering. I think one thing that um, is worth pointing out that maybe he didn't touch on is he's got the David Fafita factor as well on his edge. Um, and they both played school football together and things like that. So I'm hoping that, uh, yeah, having Dave Fafita on his edge will be able to feed him some early ball and kind of pick up some some cheap dry assists and um, other attacking stats from that as well. But, yeah, I like him there. At, at that price, he's um, one I'm definitely considering. Yeah, I mean, he's a it's a mid mid range price, but should be should be getting close to or just under premium value near the fifty mark. Well, I think anyway, you're not too hot on him, but that's fair. Anyway, maybe <laughs> no, going to yeah, I think I might start with him as well, but um, I think it just kind of depends how many of these mid range guys that we get coming through. Because uh, another one that I'm quite interested in in the in the half as well is is Josh Schuster and. Uh, he's pretty high owned at this point. He's around the 25% mark. I'm kind of interested to see how he looks there in the trials. See uh, see how quickly he's moving, how how much ball he's getting, uh, and things like that. But I quite like him there in the halves, especially with this news we said earlier that Tommy Turbo looks like he's going to be around there for round one, or even if he comes back round three um, after the mainly buy in round two. That I think he just is kind of that missing piece in their team. So if he is firing and, you know, the Manly are playing the Dolphins or, you know, a flat track in somebody, I think someone like Josh Schuster can really clean up in, in you know, uh, attacking stats and things like that. So I don't mind him at 479K. Um, and he also gives you that that dual position of, of an edge half, which is kind of a random combination, but... Um, it could be handy definitely for, for your team coming through the buys. Yeah, I'm I'm so conflicted on Schuster at the moment. I <laughs> I know how much of an attacking weapon he is, but that's that's exactly the point, right? Like he's an attacking weapon. So his base stats are gonna be incredibly low. Like he's not gonna get much many kick meters with DCE in the team. He's not gonna get um a ton of tackles being at halfback he was getting you know 20 mid 20s tackles when he was playing on an edge but now that he's playing at 58 he'll probably only see 10 to 15 tackles a game um the only way he's going to be getting you know those big scores is if he's getting your tackle bust your line breaks your plenty of run meters um it's definitely possible i'm just so worried because <laughs> that mid-range price is not doing anyone any favors and how does he go like i said this last week how does he go from averaging 18 points last year to all of a sudden have a break even in the 30s this year like what has fantasy done i just don't get it yeah i think the trials are gonna speak volumes for schuster if he comes out and he's you know a bit of a gun in the trials his stats look good i think he will be a very popular start for round one but yeah it's to be determined in the trials i think so we'll wait and see on him no that's fair enough for sure Righto, so what about um, uh, your traps, I guess, in the halves? Yeah, traps, I think, for the halves, I'm looking at 
early early schedule for um, for each each player and you know what teams they'll have to come up because I think for the halves it's pretty dependent sometimes on that on that draw that you have first up. So uh, for example, the Parramatta Eels have a pretty tough opening draw. They've got um, Melbourne, Cronulla, Manly, and then Penrith and the Roosters to start the year. Um, that's a pretty tough draw. So I think I'm going to be trying to avoid players like Dill Brown and Mitch Moses coming up. Another trap that I'm kind of hesitant to start the season off with is Cam Munster. I think not having Pappenhausen in the side, and I think also that his average is a little bit inflated last year with those games he played at fullback. Um, so I think he's kind of overs for his for what he produces. So I think he's someone you can maybe wait until a little bit later in the season or maybe even post-Origin when hopefully his price comes down a little bit because, yeah, I think he's probably a little bit overpriced at the moment. Um, so, yeah, they're kind of the ones that I'm trying to stick clear of. Yeah, I actually agree with Munster there. I had him as my trap. I just don't see how he keeps up that price going back into the halves. But the fact that Pappenhausen is missing for the first few rounds, do you think they put Munster at fullback or do you think Meany gets that gig? I'm pretty sure Meany will get that gig. And I also think Meany will get the goal kicking. So I think, yeah, they'll. I think I read somewhere that Meany's been training at fullback in the preseason. So I imagine that's where he starts and they keep, yeah, Munster and Hughes in, in the halves. Yeah, I think that's fair. And actually, uh, another player to touch on, not necessarily a trap, but uh, definitely one that I think has plenty of value coming into this year, and I've already touched on with you outside of the pod. Uh, Adam Dewey, what are your thoughts on him? Your boy. Uh, yeah, I, I like him. It's it's just really tricky, and I think the real kind of question that's underpinning uh, this whole positional analysis about the halves is, do you do anything different from Hines and Cleary? Um, and Adam Dewey is probably like one of the exceptions to if you're not doing a Cleary Hines starting two. Um, I don't mind going a Dewey Hines or a, a Dewey Cleary or um, maybe even a, a Burton in there as well. But yeah, I think your bold prediction of Dewey top ten could definitely come true. We saw how good he was last year coming off the came off an ACL right, and he still was punching out some really good scores at the back end of the yep. year there. Could definitely, you know, now he's got another preseason. People come back better after the second year with the ACL. Could even, yeah, replicate that 771K that he is at the moment. Um, he's in my team at the moment with with, with Heinz in the halves. Uh, but, yeah, I think the main question for me is, do I want to deviate from the, the Heinz Cleary? yeah. That's always the hard question. I think we've kind of, the consensus at the moment is you kind of have to start with Heinz or Cleary, right? Like there's no, there's no scenario where neither of them are in your team at this point. I agree because you need a captain. I think they're going to be the two most obvious captains to start the, start the year until we have, you know, some more data with how everyone's playing and how teams are looking, things like that. Um, yep. So they're pretty solid. And I'm not sure how you rank, uh, you know, Hines versus Cleary or, or where you sit in the debate. But I think actually now that I've thought about it a bit more, I'm probably going to start with definitely Cleary and then 
Maybe not Heinz. I'm not sure. But I think Cleary's almost your must-have that you've got to start with just because he's so highly owned. He's got that early buy, which, you know, there's a chance you could try and buy him in after the, what, he's like a round three buy, I think. Um, but, yeah, I think he's just like a rock solid. He's You know what you're going to get from him. Easy captaincy choice. Um, and, yeah, pretty locked and loaded. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think Cleary's the the one to go for. His break even is sixty six, so it's nothing small. But I mean, it doesn't really matter if you're buying Cleary or Hines anyway. You're not selling. Yeah, them do that season. Yeah, exactly. You're not selling them anyway unless they have a season ending injury. So you're you're bringing him in not because you know you're caring about his how much he costs. You're bringing him in because you know you have a captaincy option every week. Um, and if you take away the like last year, his first round coming back, he got a forty four. Um, that was after his injury. And if you take around away the, the, I think he only got one point in like round 20 when he had that injury, he's still averaging in the high sixties anyway, close to Heinz. So I think you're pretty, you're pretty comfortable with Cleary there. Heinz, I think he, the fact that he's just tick, just a tick under a mil, um, quite hurts you most teams. I mean, he's similar to Cleary, but, I think you could probably leave him for a little bit and he'll come down to closer to 900k and then be a buy at some point in the season. So yeah. And, and I get the argument with Heinz and origin. He doesn't play, but he was in the, he was in the extended squad last year when New South Wales lost. So there's all there's there's definitely a chance and there's a scenario where he does play origin this year. So I wouldn't be tipping Heinz as a must buy because you know, he, over Cleary because he doesn't play Origin or whatever because there's definitely the chance that he does come into the team. Yeah, I I do agree with that. I also think I think he's still a decent away, decent bit away from Origin. I think there's just guys like Jack Whiten and Burton who are kind of in that similar fourteen role that you could see Nico Hines playing. Um, so I think he's maybe yeah like third in line. Obviously like Cleary and the Y stay there, and then yeah Jack Whiten and I'm Burton. I reckon you could go Cleary Hines, to be honest, for New South Wales. I don't see why Luai definitely gets the definitely gets the gig at five eight. I understand because he's they're both for Penrith, but Hines has definitely shown more value in the halves than Luai, I think, from last season. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe they fire Freddie Fittler and New South Wales actually win, even though they got a <laughs> miles better team. But uh, you know, maybe that's a uh, a debate for a later day but yeah we'll um, get back into this closer to what round 13 <laughs> <laughs> for sure uh okay righto let's move on to your draft picks top five in the halves what have you got oh yeah um so number one cleary pretty obvious um number two Hines. they're both pretty pretty similar in my eyes if someone went Hines, pick one or cleary pick one like i could understand it's you know, either way, I think they're both going to be, yeah, there and thereabouts. Hines was obviously yep. a bit higher last year. Um, but I I imagine as well, we'll put out some more draft content, I think, leading up to the season. But I think Cleary and Hines will be yeah, number one and number two pick overall, not just for the halves position. Yep. Um, so, yeah, they're my first two. Three, I'm sticking with DCE. Um, I was a little bit hesitant with him just with the uh, the injury of Tommy Turbo. His minutes and uh, – not minutes. His minutes stay the same, but his points 
go up a decent amount when Tommy Turbo's in that team. So um, I was a little bit hesitant with Tommy Turbo injury and all that news, but now that we've got some kind of more cemented news about him, I think he's going to be, yeah, there and thereabouts. He's just got the kick meters. He's got the base. He's done it year in, year out. I think he still holds that number three spot for me. Um, then number four, I've got your boy, Dewey. Thank you. Um, I expect him to be up there, and he could be. He could move his way into that Heinz Cleary um, kind of tier, I guess. Oh, if, I love that. You know, love that, all <laughs> all goes to plan for him. He's he's shown that he's got those big scores in him. It'll be interesting to see how this team changes with Tim Sheens, and you know the Benji factor. All these new recruits they got over the off season, but I think he's still going to get, um, yeah a pretty good role in that team. My one concern is if they went and did something silly, like put him at center, which I don't think is going to happen, but just watch obviously around one team list in case obviously then he takes a pretty big down tick for me, but yeah, he's got the goal kicking still and I expect him to have a pretty good season second year after ACL. And then the fifth one, I've got Munster. Um, He's also shown historically he's got those, games he's kind of match up proof he does it against the good teams so yeah i think he'll definitely be up there for the for the fifth pick overall for the position in draft i guess some kind of um notable mentions some guys like matt burton who we haven't really talked about yet but he's i expect him to have a big year he'll have billy kicks on his on his edge too he's still got josh had car and you know another year in the halves, expect him to, to be higher. And he's probably just outside that top five for me. Then someone else I quite like in draft who's probably a little bit lower down the down the board and you can hopefully get him at a at a good price is um Fogarty from the from the Raiders, Jamal Fogarty. I think he's gonna be a pretty good um pretty good buy. He's got that kind of nice base with the kick meters and um well he should goal kick as well, right? Trying yeah, to think absolutely. who was goal kicking. Probably, hopefully not Rapana. Um, well, and... there's there's chat that um there's chat that Jared Croker might be coming back into this team at centre. So, I mean, it's it's a fight between Tomoko, Chris, and Croker for those two ed to two centre spots. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a chance that he doesn't have the goal kicking. But I do like the shout for Fogarty. He obviously came into last season with an injury, so he's definitely down on his normal average. Even when he was at the Titans, he was in the mid to high fifties. So he's definitely a good shout to to keep on your radar. Yeah, probably not someone I'm really looking at in classic just because there's guys like Dewey. You can upgrade for a little yeah. bit more because he's 723K in classic or, you know, maybe you want to downgrade to a Boyd or um, someone like that as well. But, yeah, I think he's kind of a potential late ground steal in, in draft. Yeah, I think if you're getting anyone at that price, it's probably going to be Burton, right? If you're not going Fogarty, I think Burton's the yeah. He's five k cheaper as less and as well, and um, yeah, he'll probably get a bit. I, I think his scores are going to get more stable this season, Burton. I think that's the main thing. I think he's going to get less of the thirties and more of the like maybe mid forties to high fifties. That's probably his variance. Yeah, he's he's open. He's a weapon. So um, yeah, looking see, looking forward to seeing what he does. Yeah, actually, one we haven't talked about is uh, Jackson Hastings in in the halves. Um, do you have any any thoughts on him? 
Yeah, I was just actually looking. I didn't realize it was so highly owned. He's close to that 10%. Uh, I, he's kind of awkwardly priced. Yeah, 645K, but I'm looking to avoid him and either going higher in premium or lower and more like your Tanner Boyds or your Josh Schuster's personally. I think you don't really know how the night's going to go this season. And yeah, he's coming to a new team. I'm just, yeah, I'm a little bit hesitant on him personally. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think there's definitely premium options and, you know, at 645k, he is a good mid-range option, but I think, yeah, there's probably better picks than Hastings to start the season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, righto. I mean, I had that exact draft top five as well. I had Dewey over Great, DC. Great, think alike. Yeah, Oy. that's... Yeah. I think um I think the only thing you're probably worried about is the fact that you know the injury factor as well it could definitely get re-injured which kind of does make DC a bit more appealing in terms of stability but yeah I mean the same top five I think it's pretty fair that they're the there's obviously a premium tier of halves and then there's you know your next step downs where your your Moses your Fogarty your Brown um all those guys kind of Burton even like all sit really in the halves yeah DC he's just yeah proven gun. The great thing about him as well is if Josh Schuster comes into the halves, you imagine that DC he will be getting like 600, like massive kick meter. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be really nice for his base. Um, and that's probably what someone like Dewey doesn't have with Hastings. He doesn't have that like literally 20-ish points in base every week for just kicking the ball. Um, yeah. Stupidest stat in NRL fantasy, in my opinion the kick meters but uh <laughs> look gets dc points and that's also why cleary and heinz are always up there because you know they're always going to get 20 30 points each week just by pretty much turning up yeah yeah absolutely righto let's move on to some fan questions if you ever want to submit a question for us to answer on the podcast just head over to our instagram page at footy brains pod uh, we put up a story every week just before we record uh, generally on the tuesday night um, but I forgot last night, so it only went up this morning. Um, so first question is from George. Uh, is Suwali a good mid-price player? George um, and Suwali. Yeah, I don't mind him. I'm kind of interested to see what he does this year, if they move him into the centres or keep him on the wing. Uh, yeah, just under 500k here. I I don't mind him if, he, if you want him to be kind of your... Uh, I guess, yeah, your more expensive option in either the or he's only winning a fullback. So yeah. if you want to do that, I don't mind that. Um, I think for me, it just depends on how many cheapies we get in the position going into round one. Uh, and with if I'm going to do something like a Teddy, I'm probably not going to do something like a Suwali. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think Suwali is a decent mid-price player, but there, yeah, there's there's a lot of value at winger fullback really um, at the moment. And if he does get named in the centres, though, that does make him a lot more attractive, right? Like he'll probably get a lot more tackles and have more opportunity to get tackle busts. Yeah, cool. We got that base. I'm not sure if he'll get the tries though, so might be a kind of catch twenty two yeah. with him. Um, so yeah, I don't mind it as a play. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if they put him on the same edge as uh, Daniel Tupo, you know they're going to be kicking to that wing every single play, right? Like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that'd be... Yeah. <laughs> they're enormous. Just kick it to the mountain men, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Another question coming in. Uh, how many top guns should you have in your starting side come round one? Oh, that's a pretty good question. I know currently in my team, I only have, like we're, to- we're talking top tier, like you're probably, talk- probably scoring in the 60s. I only have three at the moment, and I've got a lot of high to mid price players, which is pretty risky, I think, actually. In my team. <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, you want to start the season with some value. Yes, you're not going to be in the top thousand most likely, but you you start the season looking for value so that by come the, the end of the year, you have the guns in your team to be in the top 100, right? Yeah, I think so as well. It's a bit of a balancing act. Uh, as we said, it'll kind of depend a little bit on, on TLT and how many cheapies we get. But if there's a lack of yep. cheapies, it'll probably force us to do more mid-ranges and maybe go from like a three or four guns down to a two, you know, might cost us one of these guns so we can have a few decent mid-rangers instead. Um, generally, that's what I'm trying to do is go cheap your gun and eliminate the mid-rangers if possible. Yeah. Um, unless I think they're, you know, really great values like a, like I'm quite big on a Josh Schuster or someone like that. But how many have I got in the moment? I've got, I guess I've got five if we're counting um, Braley in this category as well. Um, so I've got Cotter, Carrigan, and then Cleary Hines at the moment. But yeah, it's hard to it's hard to balance. Um, <laughs> yeah, it depends how many cheapies you have. Right? Guys. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really it's really difficult to, especially if you've got a lot of mid range players taking up that four hundred, five hundred, six hundred k um, price um, to get a lot of premium players in. But if you've got a good set of you know emergencies and bench where they're all you know two hundred. 250 and 300k um, then you can fit a lot more guns in generally but that might also reduce how much you earn it's just yeah you've, you've got to balance your team somehow so you want to you want to be looking for players that can make you some money and also get you good points so good good luck fitting fitting all those in <laughs> i think maybe we're close we'll do like a team reveal and have a, like a bit more of a deeper dive into what we're both doing but okay. um yeah what three or four is I guess the end answer yeah. for us at the yeah. moment. <laughs> That's our roundabout answer, three or four. Uh, question from Charlie. Is Cam Murray perhaps a better captaincy option than Cleary or Hines due to the fact that he doesn't have buys? Um, I can answer that. He will have buys um, and he will play Origins. So there's always going to be buys for him. But in terms of captaincy over Cleary or Hines, what are your thoughts there? I actually really like this question and that's... Um... Yeah, I I don't mind that as a as a play going. Uh, if you're not going to go the Cleary Hines and your halves going a Cam Cam Murray in your in your mids, I think what people forget about Cam Murray had one. He's got a 63 average, um, but I think one of the games he got HIA or something really early and got you know like a single digit score. So really, his uh, average is closer to the the 70 mark right up there with uh you know Heinz and Cleary so I I quite like him he probably I wonder how he'll go early season it's kind of like a balancing act clearing Heinz will probably be a little bit clunky you know first team reps and blowing out the cobwebs but then the same kind of problem with the mids usually they don't get their full allotment of minutes the first couple of rounds so um 
I personally probably will stay with the pack and go clear in Hines, but I don't mind that as a kind of point of difference play and think it should be pretty similar either way you go. Yeah, he you were right there in the fact that he got a HIA. That was his last game of the season last year, and he scored one, and that brought his average down to 63. Um, I just, yeah, I mean, the Rabbitohs don't have a buy until Origin, pretty much, so... That's why I can understand why you're asking this question. But then when you look at the Rabbitohs schedule towards the back end of the season, they have two buys in the last seven rounds. So, uh, yeah, it gets a bit a bit tighter towards the back end of the season for the Rabbits. I think Murray's probably a player that all teams want to have in like somewhere in their team. I don't think from the start, but you do want to get him in early, I'd say. Um, yeah. yeah. There's so much value around in players like Adam Elliott or Tom Gilbert, you know, Pat Carrigan in the mids that it's hard to, it's hard to get Murray and pass that up. Definitely. Yeah. He's well like 900 K. Um, but he hasn't got a buy in these first 13 weeks of the season, which is really nice. So I could see a situation where you start with Murray and then sell him before origin. And then or maybe you don't bring him back after that, given he's got these buys at the back end. But, um, yeah, not a bad shot. That is an aggressive strategy, selling a Cam Murray. <laughs> that is a very <laughs> aggressive strategy. Uh, next question from Noah. Um, if you had to pick between Ray Stone and Davey Moali, who would you pick? I think I would go with Ray Stone. But okay. I don't know what the role that Moali will get, honestly. Um, or flat flat out. I don't know what role Ray Stone will get. Um, we're both. I think we're saying they're they're both um, bench options, right? Like they're not. Ray Stone won't be coming into the team unless he gets unless he's named at lock over Gilbert. I don't see yeah, scenario don't where you pick happen. up. Yeah, I don't think you pick up Ray Stone from the start. And similarly to Mawali, I think it's going to be um, Burgess and Totola at the Bunnies, and then he's going to be a bench forward if that for him. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking as well. Ray Stone is kind of intriguing to me, just I guess depending on that role. Even if he's playing off the bench, but you know, they've got utility on there and I can see him still potentially being one of these bench players that gets you in the, you know, low 40s, mid 30s potentially, depending on how many minutes he gets. Um, so I'll be looking, in, looking into him uh, come season and or coming. TLT, sorry, and seeing what, yeah, kind of what role he might have, but um, yeah. Yeah, I think Mowali, yeah, he was he was off the bench last season anyway, and he was struggling to get um, points. He was a, when he did start, he did okay, but the problem was when, when he had a start, he, you know, got was going for a point a minute up until 20 minutes, and then he got subbed off and never came back, so it's it's really hard. You don't really know how the Rabbitohs are going to use him coming into this season. Just based off previous seasons, I'd stay clear of Mowali, but Ray Stone, there's every opportunity that he carves out a, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes in this um in this Dolphins team. So I think he's he's not a definite buy Ray Stone, but he's one to one to keep an eye on to see what his role is around the um the trials. For sure. And he's yeah, pretty highly owned, so if it stays that way going into round one, I think he's one that's it's pretty low risk. If everyone else has got him and you miss out on him, he's, and he goes up, you know, a couple hundred K, be a real shame for your team, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Righto, Josh, that is all the questions we have today. Um, thanks for joining me again, and we'll come back next week for our look into the mids and the edges. Should be a good day. Sounds good, mate. Thanks, and thanks for listening, everyone. Catch you next week.